Welcome to the podcast, everybody. It's going to be a slightly different episode this week, something we've been thinking about doing for a little while. We've spoken to a huge amount of very knowledgeable people over the last year of doing the Plants of Me podcast, um, something I've really enjoyed doing and really, really grateful that they've carved a little bit of time out of their very busy schedules just to chat to me and and share some of their knowledge with you. And I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have. Certainly, we're really, really pleased with the amount of people listening. So thank you for that. And if you haven't done, remember to subscribe and then you'll get all the episodes downloaded to your phone or your tablet or whatever you're listening to. So this week, the difference is what we're going to do is share some of the tips that people have shared with us over the last year of the podcast, some of the more interesting ones, and I think some of them that are really worth repeating um, as we get towards the growing season in the UK. I know if you're in other parts of the world, and we have a lot of people listening in the US, and certainly your growing season might be very different to us but it's the beginning of the growing season in the UK for us everyone's thinking about the seeds they're going to grow the plants they're going to grow cuttings they might want to take um, and generally what they're going to do for the coming year and I think it's well worth listening to some of the tips that our guests have shared with us over the last year and some of the ones we've enjoyed the most as well so what we're going to do is play some of the ones that really resonated with us and I hope you enjoy them if you're listening to them for the first time it's well worth going back and listening to to the full episodes with these people but yeah i hope you enjoy it so without further ado let's start the podcast hi you're listening to plants and me the podcast that is all about plants gardening and the people who are passionate about them with your host alan lodge First up, we were joined by Jay and Dave right at the beginning of the Plants of Meat podcast. Um, not quite the first episode, but pretty much. And we had a great conversation about chilies. The Clifton Chili Club is is what they, they run, Jay and Dave. And anyone that knows me knows I love talking about chilies, knows how much I love chilies. But we had a, a really good conversation about helping people really get, get started with growing chilies, some of the failures they've had. And also uh, the question that I always ask people or generally will always ask people is any tips or tricks or tools that they would recommend. And they come up with um, one that I was expecting and one that I wasn't. Yeah, really enjoyed this interview. So let's listen on this one. Tools, equipment. Is there anything when you're growing your chilies you can't do without? You need a glass house. That's a or a polytunnel or, a polytunnel. Like uh, or you can if you get the right type of plant in your house on a south facing window uh, a lot of people ask us oh I can't grow because I haven't got a garden well there's actually you know like you know you've got the tie hots and little yeah. plants that are real great they look pr- they look pretty they look good and you can grow them in a small pot but, uh, have you ever heard of bonchi uh, yes I have yeah yeah so um, I've done bonchi so to, to anyone that out there listening it's uh, basically it's a chili plant that you bonsai um, so we call it a bonchi and I've had one of those going for a number of years chilies are perfect tiny little plant only about 12 inches tall sits on the south facing window so you can grow it literally you know in a flat so if in a high rise or you don't have a garden other tools well for me it's got to be my vacuum cleaner 
Mm, yeah. <laughs> Genuinely. So one of the best best things, of, and we, we give this as a tip a lot to people, is what you are hoovering up at home um, carries all the nutrients, that, uh, or certainly a very large amount of nutrients that your chili plant will absolutely love. So for me, to empty the vacuum into the compost and to mix it up, and to plant out, I mean that—that's you—you've you, got nutrients in there uh, in addition to whatever the compost is offering as well. It's absolutely superb, and it, it creates cracking plants. So, yeah, that's that's my tip. That's my tool that I wouldn't be without. I think you know, whilst you're growing a plant, the bigger the pot you can get them in, great. If you if you're lucky enough to be in a polytunnel, get them in the ground. We do feed our once they've started flowering. We do feed them. Don't we've tried specific brands of chili feed and chili stuff but if you're tight on not not tight but if you're on a budget then one of the sort of well-known brands that obviously you can no doubt get in your uh, garden center as well it's just a well-known tomato feed or a, a well-known sort of growing other substitute is absolutely fine so when you first started um i'm sure you had lots of successes was there any notable failures well on, on growing Yes. Oh, we had a colossal failure, and not 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 too long ago, actually, only the last few years. But yeah, you know, we had, we've done a number of sort of like updates growing through the year, yeah. and I think a couple of years ago we, oh yeah, well, I think this was the ones that we got from all the different. It was yeah. yeah, yeah. So the plants that I referred to earlier, we got from sort of big chains of garden, uh, not garden centers, but DIY stores, etc. Sure. We had a massive battle with aphids, white fly and all sorts and we actually we we were gutted it completely ruined the whole crop however we didn't hide it from anyone we filmed it and it's on our channel and just showed everyone and we're being honest because your biggest enemy out there for chili plants is aphids green fly black fly um, and that's ladybirds key ladybirds are key um, get them onto your plants uh, as for plants drying out we haven't had many issues at all no i mean that devastation i think we, we were away for a little bit as well weren't we you know, yeah. it's just that we weren't able to to give it the attention we needed and and yeah it, that's when all the all the pesky bugs came in and yeah. and kind of said thanks very much for the free meal so i hope all of you now will be emptying the vacuum cleaner on your compost heap and growing growing your chilies that little bit better from the advice from the, the clifton chili club um, and thank you for jay and dave for doing that so next up we've got michael perry michael perry is aka the plant geek you will find him all over instagram where he shares pictures of some fantastic plants some really really interesting plants and i was really pleased to catch up with him michael has an amazingly busy schedule and he often isn't in the country all that much so i was really really lucky to catch up with him and, and really enjoyed our conversation with michael and because you've done so many in parts of horticulture and you've you've seen lots of sides of it, if someone was, let's say, another plant geek, plant geek junior, <laughs> wanting to get into horticulture, where do you think they should start? Mm-hmm. I just like that. I'm never too sure because I guess I've learned most of my stuff through doing and kind of being out there and taking opportunities. I mean, yes, I went to college for two years, but I also was working for a garden designer who introduced me to a lot of different people and kind of I got exposure that way even before the world of social media came along, I guess. But now with social media, it gives you direct access to almost anyone. 
so you can be confident you can kind of show what you can do there's you know i kind of think back how difficult it must have been years ago to kind of like get in contact with someone specific or kind of make an opportunity happen but all the tools are there in front of you these days and i would say always um kind of put yourself across professionally as well i think a lot of people go wrong with that and they kind of they kind of get a bit mixed up or they kind of don't you've always got to be able to yeah just handle yourself professionally kind of be polite kind of show your knowledge yeah and just be interesting as well i guess hmm. yeah but i guess it's easier to be interesting when it's something you're interested in hmm. so i guess if you truly got the passion then it should be easy anyone who's been gardening for even a couple of hours but anyone's been gardening for a long period of time uh would have failed numerous times and whether you call it a failure or not is a is a up for debate but have you had any notable failures oh yeah i could be really rubbish at red plants <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean uh what is not good for me is obviously i'm away a lot so it's not easy and and i think one of the if you are trying to like keep a lot of plants or trying to keep a garden happy then there's a real like illusion that we say it's not that much work, but it can be a lot of work, you know, it really can. So mm. you've got to think of ways to make that easier for yourself, you know, whether you're you know, going for no lawn or having less containers or, or this and that, because of course people forget containers are a lot of work because they don't really get the rainfall. So you're always going to need to water them yourselves. You're going to have to maintain them. Yeah. I mean, I'll tell you one failure recently that was quite comical actually. I did. I was doing some demos with some outdoor. No, what was it? With some different perennial plants, planting them into a big half barrel. And something that we often do, like with that sort of stuff, when it's like a live demo, and we do a lot of this in Japan. If the if the container's super big, we're not going to fill that whole thing with soil because it like takes a long time. Also, if it's not something that you're going to use afterwards, or it's going to have a lot of soil in there, which then costs a lot of money as well also harder to lift, you know, all of those things. So we often would half fill them with polystyrene just for the purpose of mm -hmm. that kind of, you know, because you're just building it to take a shot. It's likely that you're going to break that down afterwards and kind of, you know, move the plants on elsewhere. It's not really going to be used again. So I'd made up some different containers. I brought them to the, to the friend that I'm staying with here in God Manchester. And this was way back, like in the spring. And they were some lovely mixed containers with this and that and kind of, and then I think he, he messaged me a couple of weeks ago and I think there was some problem with the drainage or something because there he then dug around a little bit and he was kind of like he uncovered like literally a couple of inches down there was like you know all of this polystyrene he was like this is just a fake container it's like and I've forgotten that like that was only a kind of dummy container so <laughs> we'd like gone on and grown it through the season and then suddenly the plants were not looking their happiest and then we're like oh yeah Damn it. Yeah. No, that's half full of polystyrene. Yeah. <laughs> we always do that in demos. Yeah. <laughs> Next up is Ellen Mary, who hosts the plant-based podcast with Michael. They've known each other for, for quite a while, and their podcast is well worth listening to. Something that I always listen to, I subscribe to, and I would recommend it to anyone. A really, really good podcast if you like anything to do with horticulture and plants. So well worth a listen, definitely. Now, you're here at the beginning of the clip, my admission that I don't grow that many plants in our house. The main reason is I've, my back garden, effectively, is our nursery. And there's 
hundreds of thousands of plants there. So I get my fill of horticultural stuff every single day. Um, so I don't miss out, which is good. But actually, since talking to Alan and since having chats with various people about houseplants on the podcast, we started growing them commercially and a lot have made it into our home. I've now got windowsills full of houseplants all over the place. Pride of Place actually is my, my coffee plant. I'm a huge coffee drinker. Drink far too much coffee without a doubt. And I, I really like the idea of growing a coffee plant. I, I know I'm not going to harvest anything from it. And a lot of people would argue it's not the best looking houseplant. Uh, but I, I really, really like it. And when I'm sitting having my breakfast, always always have a look at it. So really enjoying the houseplants at the moment. And certainly we've got, um, well, three, four times the amount we had in the house when I spoke to, to Ellen so let's um, let's enjoy the clip with her. It's an interesting thing actually because I would class myself other than when. Um, so where I'm I'm talking to you from now. I'm on the house and I'm probably uh, around about 100 meters from our first greenhouse. I can't see it because a big shed in the way, but about that distance. But in yeah. the house, I'd say I'm quite a bad gardener, and I don't know whether that's often the case. Uh, with a lot of people who own nurseries but <laughs> once once I'm out there I'm fine and I know exactly what I'm doing and and to be fair in the house I obviously know what I'm doing but we don't grow that many plants in the house whether it's yeah. just because I've got that contact so I always find it a little bit tricky advising people for house plants from time to time yeah okay well, that's fair enough I think I think it's perhaps you're so busy doing what you're doing aren't you with your mm. chilies and you are you're in your herbs and in your nursing, you are connecting with plants mm. all of the time, every day. So maybe you just need a break when you get home. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go as far as going into HR, though. <laughs> no, that wasn't the wisest break to make. But <laughs> the houseplants are amazing. Houseplants are brilliant. You know, they're just so good for us. They're not just, you know, aesthetically pleasing and they soften the room. But they have so many well-being benefits as well, you know, cleansing the air of all those um, common toxins that we have. Mm. Um, and there's, like we talk about the younger generation, but I think houseplants have definitely taken on with all generations, to be mm. honest. And that's great because it's seen as a bit of a trend. But if that gets people, you know, talking about plants and interested in plants, and then maybe that kind of hobby will then expand to the garden or that's all good that's great why not I'm addicted to houseplants <laughs> I have somewhere around about 130 ish <laughs> really that was at the last count I don't count <laughs> <laughs> and that's um that's you going out collecting or is a bit of propagation going on there what how's that come about a little a little bit of both so um I had quite a lot of plants in our old house and we moved into the city last year and all my plants came with us, but they struggled a bit because the environment is completely different. Our new house is very dry and warm. Mm. The old house was a little bit more humid, a little bit cooler. And a lot of my plants really, really struggled. And so I, I don't know, I kind of got the bug, I suppose, and I just really wanted them all to live. So I done loads of research. And I kept moving things around and, you know, sorting things out. And then in I, and then as I was researching, I was finding plants that would suit, you know, this house perfectly well. So I went out and bought some. And, um, yeah, the obsession kind of went from there. And then that moved on to propagation. Um, at Christmas time, I actually told my husband that I will not buy any more house plants <laughs> because I've got so many 
that I could propagate literally hundreds the last years, I think now. And when you're walking around um, around your your smaller garden now, um, is, yeah. there, is there a particular tool or a bit of equipment you always have with you? Um, is there a bit of equipment I always have? Or a bit of I, well, tool or something I, like that? It's obviously not a spade now. Not a spade, so I have a hand trowel with me all of the time. I have a hand. I have so many hand trowels. I have them, one in my utility room. I've got quite a few in my car, which acts as my shed a lot. And I have them in my greenhouse, so I always have a hand trowel at every opportunity. I only have to like reach a few meters, and there's one there. <laughs> I actually always have gardening gloves. Right. I have them in my pocket all of the time, even if they're filthy. I have gardening gloves, and people often say to me, "How do you keep your hands, you know, looking okay-ish, mm. or my nails painted?" And I said, it's just, I wear garden gloves a lot. So I want to touch the soil and I do that frequently, but I have gloves most of the time. So as you heard from the clip, Ellen Mary has a fair few more houseplants than I have, but maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get to the 130 before I know. I'm not entirely sure my, my wife will accept that, but we'll give it a go. Next up is a clip with Joe Lample, who has a vast array of knowledge. He's travelled all over the United States uh, offering gardening help to so many people and he offers some some fantastic advice in this clip about choosing the right plant for your climate. Now he is talking about the United States uh, and whilst we have a lot of people who listen in the United States, the majority of our, our listeners are in the UK but it's just as relevant in the UK. It is so tempting for us to try and grow a plant that, that really doesn't want to grow here. We've done it ourselves. We we do it even on the nursery. Curry leaf plant is a is a great example, one that springs to mind. Something we've wanted to grow for, for a very, very long time. And I'll be completely honest with you, it's um, a little bit of a personal passion of mine, but it is for commercial reasons. It's a plant we get asked for all the time. Now I'm talking about curry leaf, not curry plant. Curry plant is the helichrysum, the, the silver plant, which smells a bit of curry specifically after it's rained or you've watered it. Curry leaf is very different. That's what goes in, in your curries. And it's a very, very popular plant, very hard to get in the UK. But it's also very, very hard to grow. And I have seen it for sale at various RHS shows and things like that. And I'm sure people do okay with it once it's established, but we wanted to, to grow it from a small plant into a big plant and try it as we may. We really, really are struggling with it. Um, and I suppose we're also trying to grow it so it's commercially viable as well. So we can't afford um, on big crops necessarily to, to heat them to 30 degrees for the whole of their life. We do it with chilies all the time, but we can't, can't do it for the whole of the chili life. So once the summer comes, we don't tend to heat the chilies also makes a, a stronger chilli plant as well. But yeah, Joe gives us a great insight into actually growing the stuff that, that is going to suit your climate. So let's have a listen to Joe. And you mentioned different climates there, um, and it suddenly occurred to me, if you're, you're doing uh, TV shows for the whole of um, United States, um, you've got a huge amount of different climates and conditions there. How does that work? You know, it's interesting. Gardeners grow up in a certain environment and that's what they get used to like they might live in the northern united states where it's cool summers and you know they don't garden in the winter because it's too cold but then they'll move to the southern united states maybe the desert southwest where the whole gardening season shifts from summer to really what was their winter in other words it's not 
It's so hot in the desert southwest in the summer, you can't grow tomatoes and other plants because it's too hot. But they have to shift their mindset to realize, oh, they, they're going to start gardening now in October, which for most people is when they stop gardening for at least their summer crops. It's over by then. But it's, it's such a diverse range of growing environments here from super hot and dry, where you learn to work with plants that are Mediterranean or adapted to those conditions and understand that, you know, you're not going to be very successful trying to grow plants that, you know, prefer cooler climates like lilacs or something like that. It's just not going to work. So I think getting to know the area that you live and the climate and the plants that prefer that growing region and not trying to take on, you know, putting a square peg in a round hole, you know, don't try to put that plant into that environment that's not going to be happy with there. There's a reason why you don't see it growing naturally in that area is because the climate isn't conducive to that. But that's where gardeners, I think, get very frustrated is they, they try to grow things that aren't meant to grow there. You know, yeah, you can try it, but you may not, probably won't be successful. And there's enough great plants to grow all over the United States. There's such a diverse plant palette all over the states that you can be very happy growing what's happy there growing without trying to force something to grow there that really doesn't want to grow there. But my experience traveling the country to work with these gardeners all over has opened my eyes to the diversity of the of the climate and the challenges that we have. But, you know, it's it's really only challenging if you're trying to grow those plants that don't want to grow in that area. You obviously kind of stumbled across gardening um, all on your own by sticking something in the ground. Um, but was there a particular person that inspired you or a book that you remember? You know, I didn't have a family of gardeners to teach me gardening. I would give credit to an uncle. I, I did, I was, you know, just a young boy and on a Saturday when I had nothing to do and he was a, within a bike ride's distance of his house and he was older, he needed, you know, an, some help. He paid me, you know, I don't know, what was it back then, a small amount of money per day to help him in his yard. But one of the things uh, that he he grew were... Uh, they're called staghorn ferns, and I don't know that you would have them there, but they're just a type of fern that easily can grow in a hanging basket, and you can propagate it incredibly easy. So he sent me home with some of these, they're called pups. It's the part you cut away from the parent fern that you propagate. And so he, he taught me how to grow them on a Saturday, and I took them home, and I did what he taught me to do, and they quickly took root, and they became huge in a very short period of time. And um, if I had to, if I had to credit one person in my life for my amazement with gardening and especially plant propagation, it would be my uncle. Um, but that was my thing is propagation. That's you know that's how I came into gardening was sticking that what I thought was a broken branch that probably would die, just sticking it in the ground to cover my tracks, and then finding out that it took root and started to sprout new leaves. That was a form of propagation, and that amazed me. And so my early life in gardening was propagating anything I could. It was taking cuttings and just seeing what happened. And I didn't have anybody to teach me how to do it, and certainly the Internet wasn't around. And, you know, I was only eight years old, so I probably wasn't looking at many reference books at that point. But I was trying, I was experimenting, and I was observing the cause and effect of what I did. And thankfully, I had enough success that I... I learned from everything that happened, and you know that's why I say I'd never look back. I, I, I'm gardening every day and loving it more every day. So yeah. 
So that was our interview with Joe and and a clip from that, which um, I really enjoyed talking to Joe. And we spoke for quite a long time after we we'd stopped recording, actually. And it's it's quite interesting. I ask a lot of people how how they got inspired, or if there was a particular person who inspired them to get into gardening. And he quotes his uncle, which you just heard, which is quite interesting. I suppose when I think about it, my whole interest in gardening comes from my father, maybe from my from my grandfather, from my mum, from my nan. As you know, you've heard me say on the on the podcast many times, it's a family business. Uh, we're coming towards 70 years now. And I was born into it, um, so there was no guarantee that I would be as fascinated with plants as, as I've ended up being. And I've got three other brothers and sisters, and none of those are in horticulture, although they do like growing plants. But it's it's quite interesting how the majority of people I ask the question, it's often a family member, a granddad, a grandmother, an uncle in Joe's case. Um, and I think it is really, really important that you find that person who inspires you to do gardening. And these days with the internet, doesn't necessarily have to be a relative or anyone you've even met. I've spoken to loads of people on the podcast who have had letters and emails and, and tweets from people saying that they've inspired them to get into garden. So what are you waiting for? Go outside, start growing. Over the year of doing the podcast, um, I've been absolutely amazed by the amount of people who have dropped everything, taken a massive cut in salary or sometimes completely fallen out of a, a career through redundancy or something like that, who've gone into horticulture because it's something they've always wanted to do and have ended up turning into this this massive either business or this massive passion that they're sharing with the world. And if they weren't sharing with the world, to be honest, we wouldn't have been able to find them to get in contact with them. And one of those people is Mark Valencia. He's over in Australia. And we had a fantastic conversation about how he started getting into the gardening world. And it's a really, really interesting story. And this clip shares some of the story. And I really, really enjoyed uh, talking to him. And I was actually so impressed with with his passion for gardening and how he, he took on his passion and actually turned it into something that is much, much bigger now. Um, and we'll wish him every luck with the future. And I know it's going to go well for him. Um, so listen to this conversation. If you've ever wanted to get into gardening, what Mark has done... It's not a traditional way of going down a garden centre and getting a job or opening up a market garden or growing some carrots and selling to restaurants or something like that. But it is a way that in the modern world with the internet that I think everyone can do if they've got a passion for it and they, they really stick with it. So you, you left the military um, and you were going to earn your keep by uh, doing the gardening and being more self-sufficient and things like that. Has that turned into something more now? Yeah, it wasn't planned that way. I was just on my merry way of doing the best I could for my family. I mean, I have to say, when we made the decision to for me to drop out of the workforce and become a home dad, we, we were at the front gate of our yard one morning at about 6am and we are going to drop the kids off at childcare and then both go to work, which is about an hour away, uh, back into the Brisbane city at, uh, at the Inogra Army Barracks. And uh, I looked at my wife and I said, we just can't keep doing this. I mean, the kids are bleary-eyed. We drop them off at dark. We come back at dark. This is no way to live. And uh, I said, one of us should drop out and just have one foot on the ground and be at home. And I'll never forget it. She looked at me and she said, well, it's not going to be me. (laughs) And I went, sort of half expected her to go, yeah, you know, I might do that. But then it just dawned on me. I thought, well, I said, okay, I'll give it a go. 
And uh, so I did that. And, and yeah, coming back to to your point was um, from there that it was still tough. Don't get me wrong, it was tough. I mean, we, we were suffering on the one wage um, and not a lot of extra money coming in. But we were surviving and we, we did have a better quality of life. We had someone at home looking after all the home duties. And I, I think a lot of your listeners... Um, and people in general could could get it if you're if you're a young family both working life is really tough and busy and and that's those spare minutes are really crucial especially if you're working full-time you come home and you've got a spouse at home that is actually holding up the fort it actually enables that person in the workforce to forget about the home front for a bit and concentrate on their job and the person at home can then yeah look after everything and I, it really worked well for us. But yes, that pay drop made it financially difficult. Even though we were happier, we had to be more frugal. And when I started having a success in that, my extended family and a lot of friends thought it was crazy. But we got through it and we started having quite good success out of it. And then people would start saying, well, how did you grow that? How did you make this? How did you preserve that? And I'd be telling people at dinner parties or barbecues. And then Nina, one day, my wife Nina, she says, Mark, can you just like create a website or something and put this information on there? Because I'm getting sick of hearing the same story over and over of, <laughs> uh, and the same way to make something. Look, if you had it on a website, you could just point people to that website and say, well, here's the recipe there. And I said, yeah, that's a great idea. So I started Self-Sufficient Me from that. And I just I, I created the website myself and, and worked on it as a bit of a hobby thing. And uh, people started to enjoy what I was writing, started to enjoy some of the recipes that I put on there. And uh, from there, I started the YouTube channel. And yeah, it went really well. When it comes to inspiration specifically from a, well, maybe not specifically from a gardening point of view, but to get you to the, the place you are with um, Self-Sufficient Me, um, was there any particular person uh, or a book or something that really inspired you? Um, well, my grandfather, he inspired me greatly. Well, my father left when I was born. He got cold feet and left my mother in the opal fields of Lightning Ridge, central New South Wales and so I never met my real father until I actually got married at 30 uh, and then he popped into my life briefly that was by chance because my uncle happened to run into him by accident in Lightning Ridge and he uh, come across me and said realize your son is now getting married so we hooked up and had a bit of a meeting and it, you know he he ended up running out of my life again long story short which isn't a big thing because my point is my grandfather became my pretty much my surrogate dad. And he's, he was the one who, who helped raise me and it was a, a father figure for me. Plus I had several uncles and friends and teachers. So I was never short of a father figure to look, in, look for. But yes, it was definitely that side of it, the self-sufficiency. My uncles that were on the farm, I used to ride 34 Ks when I was in my teens to out to my uncle's dairy farm for my holidays. I'd spend two weeks of my school holidays dairy farming because I just loved it out there where other kids were doing, you know, playing Space Invaders at the arcade. Um, I'd be happy to, to be doing the farming work. So 
yeah, I was, I say my grandfather and my uncles, there's so many influences. And then at a later stage, of course, it was the need to survive with my family and my children and make that work and use the land that we bought. I mean, we didn't just buy out here out of the city for peace and quiet, although it is quieter than being in, in the, the middle of the city. Um, we bought out here because we wanted to use this land and we are using just about every bit of it. And I think that's, that's good. So that's the end of this special episode. Thank you for listening all the way to the end all of those interviews and we've done so many it was really really hard to pick five um, that we wanted to show and we may well do this again we'll see how the feedback is and how much you enjoyed it Um, but all of the conversations uh, are obviously available on previous episodes with these people and we put links to the previous episodes in the show notes so you can listen to them so hope you enjoyed it we'll be back with the podcast next week speak to you soon bye Thank you for joining us on the Plants and Me podcast. We'll be back soon. If you can't get enough of all things plant-related, pop over to plants-uk.co.uk. And if you enjoy our podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.